Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Chris Brown. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. few weeks we're looking at different people in the Old Testament and today we're going to see a great example in one man's life of how the power and the grace of God comes and turns things around. I want to give you a bit of background if you read and you don't have to turn there right now but you can if you like the end of the book of 1 Samuel and you read about King Saul and his son Jonathan and their tragic death as they're killed in battle. And as you may know, Saul was not a good king. He was bound up with internal insecurities. He was jealous of David, who had been anointed to be the next king, but who was waiting patiently and respectfully for God to open up those doors at the right time. But Saul and Jonathan, his son, are killed. Then in 2 Samuel chapter 1, the very next chapter, as you're reading through Samuel's accounts, of that history of Israel, David, you read, uh, he hears of Saul's death. And you may expect David to be kind of thrilled about this since Saul had spent the last decade trying to have David killed. But he's not. In fact, he mourns his death because he honours the position Saul had been in as the king, even though Saul hadn't done a good job, especially towards David. And in fact, the, the phrase that David uses is, the Lord's anointed to describe Saul, not my enemy or that rotten scoundrel who's having a go at me. He, there's a real lesson here, isn't there, for us about uh, respecting our leaders, our bosses at work, our teachers at school or at university. Bethany, yeah, one of your lecturers is here right now. Um, our government, spiritual leadership that God puts over us. Uh, you know, whether you vote, for the government that's in power or not, we're called to respect and follow and flow with them. And we don't have to agree with everything they do or say. You don't have to even like them. But God has put them there and our job is then to flow with honour along with that. And there's another lesson in that story about the dangers of lying because when you read the passage the man who delivers the news to king david about saul and jonathan being killed he claims to be the one who kills saul off even though he didn't but he's obviously thinking i'm going to find some favor in king david's eyes because david's been threatened for years by king saul so i'll just throw in there oh actually i'm the one that that did it (laughs) thinking he might score a little bit of honor well how wrong was he because uh david Uh, as I said, respected Saul's position. He didn't know that the guy's lying. He didn't know who really killed Saul. Um, So rather than rewarding the guy, David has him executed on the spot for claiming so proudly that he had killed off the Lord's anointed. And the irony is, of course, if he had just told the truth and just reported Saul's death as he knew it, nothing would have happened to him. He may well have been rewarded for his his efforts. So... um, lying doesn't pay you could you know just write that down good example lying you know you may die um a tragic death at the end of a sword or 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 not but but it still doesn't pay 
But um, what really grieved David uh, about all this was not just the death of Saul, but Saul's son, Jonathan, because they'd been incredibly close. Meanwhile, the news of Saul's death and Jonathan's death spreads throughout the country. And we read in one verse about the tragic consequences of this news for a little boy named Mephibosheth, which I just think is an awesome name. And I love it when there's someone, there's usually someone expecting a baby in church when you preach about some Old Testament character and you just want to throw it out there and throw it as a bit of a challenge. There's some pretty funky names going around these days, but I haven't heard someone name their baby Mephibosheth. And I'm just throwing it out there. If you want to be really brave and lead the way, it could be one of those names that when you first hear it, you think, oh, that's weird. But then who knows? All the kids at school a few years later, they're all called, you know, we've, Hudson. We call our son Hudson 25 years ago. Parents, rallies, they just laughed, shook their heads, thought we were joking, you can't do that. And now you see little kids on the soccer field or in the shops, Hudson, you know, and we think, <laughs> trendsetters. So... <laughs> So, Scott and Liam, just throwing it out there. I was telling Josh, actually, I gave Josh a little insight to my message because I was consoling him. He slammed his finger and I, my prayer meeting before the service became sitting with Josh with some ice on his finger and showing him a message. And I did throw it out and say, just tell mum and dad, there's a really cool name waiting for him. Anyway, um, here's the verse. Verse, uh, sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4 says... Saul's son Jonathan had a son named Mephibosheth who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him and he became crippled. The original Hebrew words tell us that he was crippled in his feet. Later we're told it was both his legs that were affected. So here he is, born into royalty heir to the throne, but now from age five onwards, he's looking at a completely different life than he would have, what he would have expected, a really tough life. Not only because he was crippled, but because now he is part of a rival family to the new king. As Saul's grandson, he would have had supporters around him that could have helped him mount a coup to wrest back the throne, as many had and have done throughout history. And you read your history, it's amazing how many people have been killed and how many families have been wiped out because someone's threatened by the possibilities that they might come back and try and take the throne. And so his, uh, and because of that, his life is in danger because David could easily have thought, well, I've got to destroy all traces of Saul's family and I'm going to track him down and make sure that he can't have a go at the throne. And so this is why the nurse was in such a hurry and why she tripped and dropped him because those who were caring for him knew the threat that he posed to King David and she was racing to escape with him and to save his life from perhaps someone coming to finish him off. But he proves to be no threat. Instead, he's forgotten and he grows up living in fear, crippled with no prospects, Uh, for a great future. In fact, the place he was taken to and grew up in was called Lodabar, which literally means without pasture or a a place with nothing going on, which is how he must have felt. I got nothing going on in my life ever since I was dropped as a baby. 
And figuratively, you may have felt dropped at times. In fact, we've all at some times probably been overlooked or felt like our time has passed. We've been dropped in one way or another, whether it's been uh, you know, dropped by friends or dropped out of favour with the in crowd, dropped by a boyfriend or a girlfriend, dropped from the footy team, you know, dropped out of contention for the, the, the prospect of a promotion at work, maybe even dropped out of the workforce altogether. There's always going to be times where we feel left out or left behind, overlooked, isolated, lonely, hurt, disappointed, dropped in a sense. And, and no one goes through, out li- goes through life without a, a season when things just don't seem fair. Now, maybe that you don't relate. You think, I, I haven't faced those seasons. Maybe you're too young. You haven't been around long enough. You know, maybe you've had a great upbringing. Maybe things are going great for you. Well, that's awesome. And I don't want to depress you, but life has a way of throwing some curly situations your way. Uh, so just tuck this message away in the memory banks. And uh, later, when, not if, you face some setback, you can draw on it as you have to navigate your way through a difficult season. And for others of us, you might think, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can identify with this guy, this sense of feeling dropped and disappointed because maybe you have been mistreated or betrayed by someone that you trusted or you've had some difficult upbringing, you've been raised in a dysfunctional family or some tough situation that really wasn't your doing or worse was your doing because <laughs> you're beating yourself up feeling guilty because you really know it was your fault and then you've got to sort of forgive yourself that's sometimes harder than just forgiving other people maybe you've lost sight of the dream that you once had and you feel just like you've lost your way lost your passion lost your drive and desire and dreams and life's just what do they say just knock the stuffing out of you and now you can get to the point where you might even feel like, well, I, what's the point? I don't seem to matter. People don't seem to care. Maybe God doesn't even seem to care. And, you know, just as Mephibosheth was, was crippled because he was dropped, if we or when we get dropped in life by other people, it's easy for us to become crippled internally, emotionally, mentally, even spiritually, we're unable to move forward in life. Maybe we, we lack confidence and we feel held back, uh, second-guessing our worth. We're you know, suffering from low self-esteem. We're unsure if I can trust again or love again. Well, if that's you, then just get ready because God is not going to leave you there. Just watch what happens to Mephibosheth. Years go by. He grows up. He even gets married. He even has a son. But all the while, he's living in this downtrodden, depressed part of town. And he's suffering with his disability. Remember, this is not a culture that has any support services for people in his condition. There's no wheelchair access. There's no wheelchairs. There's, there's no parking space for your horse or chariot. Uh, and he's living in fear. And then one day he thinks, well, these fears seem completely realised because he's, um, he's sitting there and someone comes running to tell him that there's some people looking for him. Knock on the door. Hey, Fib, 
Phoebe. It was a Phoebe. It, it was an Australian uh, who was uh, on a gap year. Fibo. Well, it's either O or E, isn't it? It's like Luke knows guys in his football team. He says, I have no idea of their real name. Hudson says that in the army. He says, I, I've got like rank and people that you deal with in a professional basis. I don't know their real name. You know, they just have nicknames or you just add Y or O at the end of the name. Dalo, Brownie, you know, Fionery. Okay, maybe that doesn't always work, you know. Um, and so here's his Aussie backpacking friend who just seemed to be doing the gap year over there, an early adopter of gap year probably, seeing the getting arrested for climbing the seven ancient wonders of the world, running with the sheep at El Pamplona. Um, is that where they do the running of the bulls? Has anyone done the running of the bulls? All right, okay. Well, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, it's still, you know, something they do crazy over there. Um, anyway, so he's his Aussie backpacking mate who's working the pubs there or whatever. Phoebe, and so he says... Um, there's some king soldiers here to see you. And so he obviously thinks, oh, well, that's it. You know, my day's come. I, they've finally tracked me down. They're going to finish me off because, you know, I could be a threat to the king. But that's not what the soldiers are there for. Because a few days just before that, we read what happened over in the palace. Second Samuel chapter 9 tells us that David was sitting around and for some unknown reason, he finds himself thinking of Saul's family. Now watch this. This is years and years since Mephibosheth had his accident. Many, many years because he's grown up, been married, had a son. So it's a long time that David could have thought of him, could have thought of what he wanted to do either for or to him as a relative of Saul's or Jonathan's. But for some reason, nothing's happened. But now God whispers into David's ear. And so David says this. We read in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. David asks, is there anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Well, there's a good king. David was known as a man after God's own heart just as well because a lot of kings would have thought, is there anyone left, anyone who I can get revenge on for Saul's sake? But he doesn't. He thinks of his friendship with Jonathan and he desires to show kindness. And I believe that's the hand of God moving in this situation and on a man's heart who is inclined towards God. And of course they find there's only one person left, that's Mephibosheth. So David sends his men, they get him, they don't kill him, they bring him back to the king. And when he arrives, this is what happens. We read in Second Samuel chapter 9, now verse 6, when he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect, as you would. Uh, David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. He said, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. He could see what Mephibosheth was thinking. I, in, I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully, exclaimed, what is your servant that you should show sh such kindness to a dead dog like me? You ever felt like a dead dog? Well, today's your day. It's okay. You're in the right place. Come on. Sometimes we feel like a dead dog. And he certainly did. He was in a very humble situation in life. 
David goes on to say that he's going to have others work the land that he's giving back to Mephibosheth and he's going to produce income for him and his family so that his children's future would be secure. And that's exactly what happened. For the rest of his life, Mephibosheth lived prosperously and he dined every night at the king's table. Come on. That's a pretty good spread to look forward to every night. No leftovers, no tin spaghetti on toast, you know, rustling around in the kitchen on his crippled legs. He's going to get looked after. And note the blessing that flows from a faithful friendship down to the next generation. Because of Jonathan, his child is now receiving blessing from the king. He hadn't thought about that. He was just a friend, just a blood brother, just a faithful, committed relationship that he had with David. And so there's much to be said about being faithful in your relationships with positive repercussions, not just in your generation, but even for your children. You never know where it's going to lead. You never know the, the respect that you build up that your children are going to be rewarded from. But also note the hand of God in this situation, how he can turn even the hearts of kings to show favour to the most humble person in the land so much that he goes seeking him out to find him and makes an effort to want to bless him. You know, Jesus is called our great redeemer. He hasn't just rescued you from your sin so that when you die, you can go to heaven. That's awesome. But he can redeem your life now. He restores and rebuilds situations that seem hopeless and he's about to turn stuff around if you believe him and allow him and that applies to you because this is a great example of what can happen when someone humbly bows before a good king and we serve the king of kings and just as Mephibosheth was offered a seat at the king's table so are we in fact David himself the king there who knew himself to be okay knew there was a great king And he wrote in Psalm 23, you prepare a feast for me. And it goes on, your goodness, your mercy, your unfailing love is going to follow me all the days of my life and I'm going to live in the house of the Lord forever. What a great parallel to what Mephibosheth experienced, to what David experienced knowing that he is in the house of God and in the hands of God and the same for us. And so that's for you. You've got to know God's not forgotten you if you've had situations that you relate to that sounds a little like this. But know that nothing's gone unnoticed, that God has seen all that's happened to you and he knows still the dreams in your heart, the the calling on your life, the destiny that he has for you. He's going to get you to where you're supposed to be, regardless of what's happened. In spite of the attacks of the devil and beyond any failings that you've made and experienced you may have lost some battles but God is going to be with you to keep fighting until you win the war and just as we heard over communion just when we think of Anzac Day and we think of how many battles and how many people sacrificed and 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 the the challenges and the tough times but the good guys win the war and we look back to, say, World War II and Winston and the, all the Allied troops and fighting against Hitler, and we're glad they won. Amen? Aren't we glad they, they didn't just give up and say, well, Dunkirk, well, tail between our legs, let's just, you know, wait and sit back here in Britain and, 
and and just see what happens. You know, they regrouped and kept fighting and won. You know, um, more than sixty years ago, uh, in northern Thailand, there was a young man who was making his way in the world. He was a school teacher, and uh, he uh, he did so well he became principal of the local school in his village, remote town. This is up in the Chiang Mai region, long before tourists came. Chiang Mai, second biggest city in Thailand now, was back then just a little town. Bangkok being the big city and still by far the biggest city, um, was more than a thousand kilometres away. And this young teacher was happily married, had a few kids, doing very well, was well known, well respected in the local area and life couldn't be better. But then one day he started getting itchy hands. The itch didn't go away and it developed to this scaly kind of skin condition that concerned him, but there was no medical treatment for him. Uh, There's no doctors in the local area. He couldn't afford to go anywhere. There was no hospitals around. Um, And uh, he tried to keep it quiet because he was concerned what it might be and what had happened to people randomly in that area and there was no treatment for it. And sure enough, people found out what it was and they all knew it to be leprosy. And the scales and the itches developed to the point where he started losing the ends of his fingers. And because everyone thought it was incredibly contagious, more than it really was, there was only one choice but for him to be completely banished from his town. He lost everything. He had to live like a hermit, putting himself in this quarantine situation away from people. And uh, he lost his career. He had to leave behind his family, his reputation. And he just lived with his fingers gradually wasting away to becoming stumps out in the bush on his own to the point that after a while he thought, well, this is really not worth pursuing, this life that I have. And so he went to the big bridge in the local area and was going to throw himself off. And just when he was about to jump, something caught his attention. From the distance, he saw a little red sign hadn't seen it before, and for some weird reason, it grabbed his attention. And he got down off the bridge and found himself walking towards this sign way off in the distance. When he came closer, he saw that it was a cross, and he didn't even know what the Christian cross looked like. It's the first time he had seen it, but it was a little red Christian cross. And when he got there, he found it was a little hospice run by some English missionaries. They took him in, saw his condition. He tried to keep it from them, but they saw what it was and he was surprised they didn't seem to be put off. In fact, they started giving him medicine that stopped the leprosy. Didn't give him back his fingers, but it stopped with his, his little stumps on his hands. But it didn't progress anymore. And uh, he lay there for weeks and weeks in this hospital bed while they're giving him medicine and restoring him back to health. And he lay there the whole time thinking, there's going to be a catch. They're going to make me work for it. There's got to be some deal going down. And there wasn't. They just kept blessing him, kept blessing him. They didn't expect anything from him. And he finally asked them, why are you doing this? And they told him about Jesus. And they said, the love of God compels us to love other people. That's the only reason. He just found himself falling in love with Jesus, gave himself gave his life to Christ, and they used him 
as an ambassador for that whole region because up to then people were really distrusting of white man's medicine and people were suffering from leprosy unnecessarily because they had the medicine to stop it but no one wanted to take it on. So he became the spokesperson, travelled around the whole area and got that whole north uh, region of Thailand cured of leprosy because they were able to use this medicine that they had had available. Not only that, he became a pastor and went on to plant a whole bunch of churches and live a fantastic life. How do I know this? Because one of his sons grew up to be a national church leader and a great friend of ours who we've known for nearly 20 years, Pastor Ajahn Sungwee Nguyen Kam in Bangkok. And uh, Sungwee's father in his latter years would be there in Sungwee's church when I would go and preach. And he was there on the front row clapping with his little stumps uh, of his hands to the Lord well into his 80s, just worshipping God. And uh, he's passed away now. But what a great um, life he ended up living. And the, the, the fact is, just like Mephibosheth, his disability was still with him throughout his life. But that life was still blessed as God moved and turned things around. And you may carry some scars. You may carry something like Jacob's limp or, in you know, Mephibosheth's case, he, he was still crippled but it didn't prevent him from living a worthwhile, prosperous, blessed life. And, uh, you know, even in our own church, we've seen some amazing turnarounds. And, and uh, you know, in recent times, we've seen this with babies. And, you know, babies born with difficulties and, and even dying and coming back to life. And so God can do this. And you want to hang a, get a hold of that, amen, that, that uh, no matter where we're up to, what we've suffered, whether we've been dropped or suffered or felt left behind and left out, God's a restorer, a redeemer, and he can move and will move in our lives. Amen? I want the band to come, and I want us to sing a song as we finish, and I want to pray for anyone uh, who needs it. Uh, if, if you've felt dropped like Mephibosheth and you feel like you've been forgotten by God, there's a seat at the king's table, just like he had, and it's waiting for you. And I want to pray for you and see God bring a turnaround. I especially want to pray for anyone who's sick, and specifically if you're working with the doctors, and I think, Christine, can we pray for you because you've got an operation on your knees. And so if you're working with the doctors and you've got some medical treatment going on, we don't ever reject that. We've got to work with the wonders of modern medicine, but we also want to bring God's anointing into that situation and pray for the operation, pray for the nurses, pray for God's hand to be on the whole deal. So can we stand up? We're going to worship just for a little while. And, uh, and if you want prayer, most importantly, if you're here and you need to give your life to Christ, come forward. I want to pray for you. Uh, but if you're sick in your body or something you've heard in the message resonates with you and you want prayer, or you're facing a medical situation and you want us to walk with you in that in faith, then come forward right now. We hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.